Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. You are listening to that sports edition of the ODPH podcast, and we definitely want to keep the conversation going with you after the show. So definitely swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media links. They're all right there. Check out Parlay Points, new blogs dropping this week. You can check out the T Public Store, which I believe there's another sale going on this week. So there is no excuse for anybody not to go pick up some ODPH swag. I'm telling you right now, the link is right there. All of that. And so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember, use the hashtag odphpod. So that being said, let's kick off the show how we usually do during the NFL season. And that is recap the week that was in the NFL. It's our locks and leaps breakdown of week five. And we have to admit, we made a little faux pas last week. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you are listening to both shows of the ODPH Podcast Network, you knew that we were heading to New York Comic Con for press coverage of this week's past event. Well, we are in such a hurry to get out of here, we forgot to give you on the show our picks for week five. But we did post it on the Facebook page, so thus we are covered there in the most fiercest competition in all of independent podcasting, the Locks and Leaps Invitational. But that being said, we have our locks and our leaps ready to recap for you here, so pad kick us off yeah i'm gonna start with my lock i chose the new england patriots to beat the houston texans which i gotta admit ended up being a lot closer than i thought it was gonna be but hey wins a win and i'll take it uh new england ended winning by ended up winning by the final score of 25 to 22 uh mac jones 23 of 30 for 231 yards passing one touchdown one interception david mills 21 of 29 for 312 yards passing three touchdowns no interceptions you know, on paper, this had the markings of a trap game. Uh-huh. It really did because Houston, my God. Who is Houston? What is Houston? Fucking awful. Point blank. You can't even sugarcoat it one bit. The most problematic team in the NFL, per se? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, you can argue that. It's in the conversation. But obviously, they have just been a hot mess express this entire season, and they are not getting any better. The fact that the Patriots hung with them, or let them hang with them, I should say, I don't want to say is alarming, but you could definitely tell that emotionally, I think they were too drained from the Tom Brady matchup. Yeah, it could be. That maybe that little love hangover was still hang, hanging on there a little could bit. Could be. And like you said, it could have been a trap game because they do have the Dallas Cowboys uh, coming to town uh, this coming week. It's a Sunday afternoon game. So it very could have easily been, you know, especially with Buffalo having played Houston the week before and putting the absolute shellacking on them. Mm, facts. That, you know, they could have gone, oh, you know, not normally a Belichick move, That, but hey, it does happen. It definitely does happen, but you, we also have to remember, too, with the Patriots. Mac Jones is still a rookie. He's a rookie. 
He's playing exceptionally well as a rookie. Uh-huh. In fact, he has tied the NFL record for most completions by a rookie in his first five starts, uh, tying the record set by Joe Burrows uh, just last year with mm-hmm. 135 completions, uh, but also beating out the likes of Kyler Murray, who had 126 in 2019, and 124 from Justin Herbert in 2020. Yeah, so the kid's hanging in there, and I think that maybe the bar was set a little too high. I am not saying he's not a great quarterback or will be a great yeah. quarterback, because obviously I'm sold on him. He he hung with Tom Brady. That, this is true. That says a lot. But for this game, I figured they were just going to go in there and drop all kind of points all over the field, but they didn't. And kudos to Houston for, I guess, showing up, question mark, because yeah. – that team is just so problematic. They don't intimidate anybody. No. There isn't anybody on either side of the ball currently right now that's playing that you really game plan for. No, I mean, Mark Ingram is there, 16 carries, 41 yards, but he is a shell of his former self. Uh, and then on the receiving side, you got Chris Moore, who had a decent game, five catches, 109 yards, one touchdown. You got Chris Conley, who three catches, 84 yards, one touchdown. You know, they've also got David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, you know, who are good, but, like, none of these guys are exactly, especially with who they have throwing them the ball, is sitting there going, oh, this is a fantasy pickup. Yeah, nobody's worried about Davis Mills. I'm just saying, this is just being point blank. Yeah. Teams are not worried about Houston, and they don't really have to be. I mean, some of those players that you just mentioned had great seasons, but the key word is had. Yeah. And right now... I'm not seeing anything that's lighting a spark that's going, this team's going to turn it around. The fact that he hung with the Patriots, I will give him that credit. I mean, that's a a moral victory because, let's face it, it's still Belichick. Belichick is still the defensive guru. Mm -hmm. The fact they dropped 22 points on that defense, very, very startling. Yeah. But – but that was all in the first half. That was, yeah, exactly. And the one touchdown in the third quarter. Yeah, because you gave Belichick time to plan for a second half. The minute you do that – you had better come up with an entirely different game plan for that second half yourself. Mm-hmm. He is the king of second half adjustments. Nobody can come near him about that. Nobody. So the fact that they didn't pull the trigger and really switch things up, you allowed that team to get back in there. And like I say, Mac Jones is the real deal. Yeah, and I, I, we definitely got to give him credit for staying cool and poised under pressure because, let's face it, this is very easily a game that could have gotten away from him. Rookie jitters, you know, down late in the game. But, you know, that fourth quarter, you know, after they made a field goal, Houston uh, had a missed field goal. They took over the uh, possession, had a seven-play, 54-yard drive that took, lasted just about four minutes, mm-hmm. you know, where they ended up tying the game at 22-all. And then kudos to the defense, uh, Patriots defense, holding Houston to a three and out. And for Mac Jones to come back, you know, taking the uh, taking possession with about seven minutes and change left to go down the field on a, what is this, a 15-play, you know, 84-yard drive that lasted seven minutes exactly mm-hmm. to set up Nick Folk for the what ended up being the game-winning field goal. This early in the season, that really says a lot about Mac Jones as a quarterback that he is that poised and that – you know, uh, you know, doing well under pressure. Yeah, no, that's a it's a big feather in their cap that they really, I feel, have found a successor. I'm yeah. not going to say the successor just yet to Tom Brady, but let's face it, you can't deny what the kid's done on tape. It's more promising than any of the other prospects they've had over oh, the years. Oh, absolutely. I don't think Cam Newton being back in there would have done the same job. No. I really don't. At this no. stage in the career, no, no I, I no, don't. No, no, no. I don't think it would have happened. So the Patriots definitely snuck out of there with a win. It's good their kicker actually won the game for them because yeah. this that's been the biggest headline of this past week in the NFL is 
kickers. Yeah. Ooh. Question mark. Yeah. So it's a big win, especially with that big game going against Dallas coming up this week. Oh, yeah. And then for Houston, I mean, just get through the season in one piece. Uh, Good luck. Because obviously that team has got to just get tore down and rebuilt. Yeah. There is nothing worth talking about. I I wish I could really sell this as like, oh, wow, this is a great team and this is a valiant victory. No. It's moral at best. And there's really nothing there that like, oh, they have a couple of good pieces to to start their rebuild with. But like they just got to build around it. Like, no, they don't even have that. No, I got nothing about that. So on to the next game. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk my leap, which I took the Cleveland Browns to beat the L.A. Chargers, uh, who uh, ended up not working out because... Because, good God almighty, the Browns absolutely blew it in the fourth quarter. Uh, where the L.A. Chargers winning by a final score of 47-42. to 42. Yes, folks, you heard that right. Chargers 47, Browns 42. Justin Herbert had 26 of 43 for 398 yards passing. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. Great day if you have him on your fantasy team. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 23 of 32, 305 yards passing. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. But the point of note is is that fourth quarter where the Cleveland Browns defense, after holding them to uh, holding the Chargers to one touchdown uh, in the first quarter, uh, six points in the second quarter, eight points in the third quarter, gave up 26 in the fourth quarter. Good God. Here is the wildest stat I think I've read. This stat states that the Browns are the first team in NFL history, so it's like a hundred years to lose a game, whether playoff or regular season, when scoring forty plus with five hundred yards and zero turnovers. Yikes! Let that sink in for a second. I'm saying I'm looking at the team stats. The Browns had 25 first downs. They were four of 12 on third downs. They ran 68 total plays, 531 yards of total offense, as you mentioned. Uh, 7.8 yards per play, which is fucking fantastic, mind you. Mm-hmm. You know, passing that 301 yards, rushing 230 yards. Penalties, they only had seven. They had seven accepted penalties. We Lord knows what the unaccepted penalties are. But, yeah, like you said, zero turnovers. And this was, well, Christ, oh, goddamn money. Time of possession, the Browns had the ball for 36 minutes and 28 seconds compared to the L.A. Chargers, 23 minutes and 32 seconds. That yeah. is that is all the recipes of like either a blowout or a very convincing win. I literally had to go to about four different pages to verify this. So uh, the I, I will quote this one for ESPN, but I had to go fact check this. I could not believe that this had happened. But like you touched upon, that fourth quarter, the Chargers are the most inconsistent, consistent team in the NFL. Yeah. Because on paper... They look fantastic. Mm-hmm. When you get them in a game, I don't know what happens from the coin flip to the buzzer. Yeah, something always goes weird with this team. Yeah, and in this game especially, just because I'm looking at the play by play, you know, Chargers punted the ball to start the fourth quarter. Okay, mm-hmm. Browns got the ball back. They went three and out, punt, uh, negative ten, three plays, negative ten yards, punted the ball. After that, Chargers touchdown. Browns touchdown, Chargers touchdown, Browns touchdown, Chargers touchdown. Like, that's not an exaggeration, folks. They were going, you know, blow for blow like it was Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder here. You know, and then Cleveland finally punted. But, yo, defense optional in this game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this just goes to show what high-powered offense you had. 
I thought the Browns, though, got a little, I don't want to say too much of a panic mm-hmm. at the end, but I feel they did. I know I was talking with a few Browns fans today, yeah, and they were pointing out the same thing, which was, well, when you have a drive to get yourself back in the game and three plays and you can only put up 11 yards, it's not really going to do the thing. Right. And like I said, I caught most of the back half of that. Like I just, It didn't sink yeah. in from what the fans were telling me on social media at OD Parlay Hour, but it was something that really jumped out. Mm. And I thought, this is still a team that should be on paper running away with their division. Yeah. Cleveland is that stack. Cle- oh, yeah. Cleveland has enough offensive and maybe weapons. Maybe not running away, but definitely, like, if we're talking, like, you know, a, ra- a foot race, you know, in the Olympics, definitely. Ha- we're not talking, like, Usain Bolt blowing people out of the water. Mm. But we're talking, like, this is, this should be fairly close. It should be close because they have that talent to win. Like, this is their winter bus season, mm-hmm. in my opinion. They have the tools there. And for the Chargers, who, let's face it, we have documented on this show throughout the years. They could be the greatest team on paper, but they just get on that field and something goes wrong. Hell, they should be undefeated had they not had a mental collapse against Dallas. Hey, 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 they're tied for first place in the AFC. Still, they should be undefeated. The fact that they do have that loss, you have to consider Dallas is a lot better than we thought they were this year. Uh huh. So when you're up against that upper echelon team, you need to close out. The Chargers actually closed it out. Albeit, though, I think the Browns gave it to them a little bit because, like I said, their coaching, I, I don't want to say it was suspect, but I think that they should have Defensive mixed up their, coaching was suspect. Defensive was a little suspect. Because I'm sorry. In our opinion. I'm sorry. I Unless it's a video game in Madden, you should not be trading touchdowns like that. Like, at some point, the defensive coordinator or, hell, any of the defensive coaches should go, all right, we need to change this because this ain't normal. We need to fix this. Yeah, they need to do something, and there was – no, Called the, adjustment. the switch wasn't hit, and that's the problem that they had. But even so, I thought the offensive should have switched it up a little bit just to get them, you know, to close out that game because they, right. they should have had them dead to rights. Right. But the fact their defensive breakdown happened, you left Mike Williams completely wide, wide the fuck open. Exactly. Eight catches, 165 yards catch it, receiving for 20.6 yards per catch, two goddamn touchdowns. Ah, hello. They're throwing the ball over there. Thanks. Keenan Allen have a game. Why not? Just six catches, 75 yards, average 12.5 yards a catch, no touchdowns. But on the other side, it's it's just as bad for the San Diego, or for, San Diego for the Chargers defense. They'll always be San Diego. You know, Nick Chubb, 21 carries, 161 yards, 7.7 yards per rush one touchdown you know and then on receiving david njoku seven catches 149 yards receiving 21.3 yards per catch one touchdown donovan peoples jones five catches 70 yards with 14 yards per catch with no touchdown <laughs> yo if you have any of these folks on your fantasy i'm willing to bet you won this week that's the only people who won this game I know the Chargers did, and listen, this is a big win for them. I'm not going to take anything too much away from them. I'd like to see this continue on through the rest of the season, but I, f- I, I feel they're going to have another breakdown. It's, it's, de- it could, and it's definitely concerning for Cleveland because, like we said, Cleveland should be like top of the division, if not right in there at second place, mm-hmm. which could end up at the end of the season. But it's concerning for, I would say, for Cleveland fans. Because I'm looking at the playoff uh, standings as they we said. Cleveland is currently sitting at the eighth position, you know, and that was only because Denver is in seventh. They have a tiebreaker over Cleveland based on best win percentage in conference games, you know. But to me, if I'm Cleveland, this is concerning because as we sit here recording, Chargers are in the top three of the division. 
and you went tit for tat and you could not stop them, which is what you need to do when it comes to playoff time. And you yeah. could, and you couldn't do it. So I'd, I'd be a little concerned. It's a little concerning, but I think they need to really bounce back and do something here. And that's going to be the, the, the big X factor. Okay, how do you come back from this? I'm not saying this is like an Atlanta yeah. Super Bowl hangover that's going to haunt them the rest of the year. Yeah. But I think what we need to see from the Browns next week, or their next game rather, they need to really have a statement win Yeah, on both sides of the ball. And it's going to be interesting because this coming Sunday they are at home against the Cardinals. That's right. Okay, I couldn't remember if they had the bye coming up soon. I know – Bye weeks are going to start creeping in there a yeah, little. Yeah, no, their bye weeks not till week thirteen. So they've got uh, Arizona, Denver, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, New England, Detroit, and then Baltimore right before their bye week. You know the weeks are blending right now because I was like, when did the first bye week start? Uh, they start. They start relatively. Oh no, you know what? The first one starts this coming Sunday with the Jets and the Falcons. That's coming what back I from thought. London, That's what I see. That was throwing me off yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Still have that New York Comic Con hangover a little bit, folks. So. Also, uh, Cleveland, you really with me. you really need to get yourself set after, before your bye week because listen to this fucking schedule after the bye week: at home against Baltimore, at home against the Raiders, out to Green Bay to play Green Bay on Christmas. So hey. freeze your ass off. Uh, out to Pittsburgh to play Pittsburgh, and then closing out the year at home against Cincinnati. Yikes! Not an easy road ahead. So it'll be interesting to see how it shapes up. And then you got the Chargers scheduled yeah. there, Ed? Yeah, so they got an interesting game uh, game coming up this week. Uh, they are traveling to Baltimore to play the Ravens. They have their bye week, uh, week seven. But after that, they play the Patriots, Eagles, Vikings, Steelers, Broncos, Bengals, Giants, Chiefs, Texans, Bron- uh, Broncos again, and then closing out the uh, season uh, in Vegas playing the Raiders. Well, let's see what we get out of the Chargers moving forward. It's a big win for them. They should capitalize on it, and hopefully it carries some momentum for them. I don't know. We'll see. Well, and I think the thing working in their favor is the Raiders are obviously playing you know, pretty well right now. Denver is Denver. You know, yeah. they're, they're, to me, going to be the team that like might not make it, but they'll play spoiler and they'll flirt with it at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Kansas City, Lord only knows. Kansas City is a big old question mark going into the rest of the season. I'm not saying I told you so, but what did I say on the preview show? You did say it, Pad. We got to give you credit for that. And just with closing with that game, too, I will say this. The officiating was very, very bad mm-hmm. on a couple of crucial plays. I'd like to see that getting tight enough uh, by the NFL because that did play a factor. Oh, yeah. But then again, when both teams are dropping over 40 points in a game, I can't say that that was the deciding factor. But especially that late in the game, I know there was a really egregious call, in my opinion. Right. That really hurt the Browns. Oh. So that being said... NFL's got to take a look at that and get a little better about that, in my opinion. Like, I don't know if they can make a New York overrules uh, deal, but they might want to think about that. Just saying. So let us go to my lock. And I know your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, is not here to defend his beloved New York Giants. So uh, that being said, how about those Cowboys? Yikes. I will tell you this, and I can already hear a man in Brooklyn yelling out the window, I told you so. Shout out to Dre Driven. Dallas, welcome to the NFC East. Welcome to the NFC. You might actually be a contender after all. Maybe we're dropping the L from that uh, division name like last year. Maybe. We'll see. 
Still got a little ways to go, but break it down for us, Pad. Yeah, so Dallas ended up winning by the final score of 44-20. to 20. Uh, Dak Prescott, 22 of 32 for 302 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Mike Glennon went 16 of 25 for 196 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Daniel Jones did play, only going 5 of 13 for 98 yards uh, passing, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, he was carted off during the game at one point and did not return. Uh, it is He is now, as we record, listed as questionable, and I'm reading this courtesy of the uh, his bio page on ESPN.com. Uh, as of a couple hours ago, quote, Giants head coach Joe Judge said Jones, concussion, mm-hmm. won't practice Wednesday, but the quarterback is on track with everything in his recovery from the brain injury and hasn't yet been ruled out for Sunday's game against the Rams, uh, according to Joe Renan of ESPN.com. So that you got that going on. Also taking a hit uh, was Saquon Barkley, who rolled did something funky to his ankle. He, like, stepped on a teammate's foot and rolled his ankle. Did not help. Uh, did not return for the game. You know, only going two carries for nine yards, no touchdowns. You know, and again, ESPN.com is saying that uh, he would not practice in Wednesday's practice, according to the Newark Star-Ledger. Dallas, thank your lucky stars, pun intended, that you have Trayvon Diggs on your team. Yo, that guy has been the X factor to revitalize your team. That man is a goddamn ball hawk. And that is what they have desperately needed, and their prayers have been answered. So he's got uh, 16 solo tackles, uh, 10 passes defended, which is good for first in the NFL, six interceptions, which is good for first in the NFL. Now, this isn't tied for first. Now, nah, this is like first outright. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs is the real deal. He has energized that defense enough that you are doing what you should be doing, and that is taking advantage of teams that are frankly bad. And I'm sorry, the Giants are bad. Uh huh. There is no way to sugarcoat it. I am sorry for our Giants fans that are listening to the show. And listen, we can have this debate on social media all you want. The Daniel Jones era. It ain't working. It's not working. Joe Judge. I think might be on the hot seat. I would say so. It's New York. It's a very short fuse. I am saying the the coaching in this game was not the greatest. I understand there's injuries. I will give you that. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. I'm not going to say, you know, it's completely one-sided and it's his fault. But I am going to say this. This team has not shown me that sign of life that we saw at the end of last season. I know they're playing I question the intensity at some times. I mean, they, they, so they lost their first game of the year, 27, 13 to Denver. Mm-hmm. They came back the next week and were at Washington where they lost 30 to 29. And I'm pulling that up now to see how that, so that was the last second field goal to put uh, Washington. Yeah. They gave up Washington over the top. You lost 17 to 14 to Atlanta. And who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? It was fucking awful. And then you beat new Orleans in new Orleans, which is, you know, a bit of a feather in your cap, but that was an overtime and, Anything could happen in overtime. Hello, Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you just lost this game 44 to 20. Now, I will say you do have injuries that does not help, but it's a divisional game. You should still be in contention for this. Yeah, they should still have shown up and listen. The Cowboys offense completely went crazy in this game. Oh, they went fucking off. Yeah, I don't care what kind of cheat code they put on. If they went back to the old uh, Konami Contra, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, whatever the case was. They got rolling, and the Giants were just in the rear view looking in. We'll say Ezekiel. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, they were in the rear view, and the Giants were just sitting there in the bumper watching. Yeah. 
Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 21 carries, 110 yards, one touchdown. C.D. Lamb had four catches, 84 yards, one touchdown. Dalton Schultz, who the hell are you? Uh, six catches, 79 yards, no touchdowns. Amari Cooper had three catches for 60 yards, one touchdown. You know, so that now Dallas is clicking on all cylinders on offense. And like you mentioned with Tavon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs, excuse me, definitely the MVP of their their defense and early candidate for defensive player of the year. The man, like I've mentioned, the man has six interceptions, six interceptions on the year. That is double than the next two, uh, one, two, three folks who are in second place with Micah Hyde from Buffalo, mm-hmm. who's got three interceptions. Logan Wilson from Cincinnati, who's got three interceptions. And Byron Murphy Jr. from Arizona, who's got three interceptions. So he's double his next closest, you know, competitors. Yeah, exactly. Like, Dallas is looking like a serious contender right now. I mean, it's, th- it's still a little too early. Mm-hmm. But I'm from what we've seen thus far... It's not out of the realm of thought. No, it's not because let's face it, the Giants are bad, like we mentioned. Carolina, so so. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Depends on who shows up. Philly, again, so so. Hard to say. They did contend with Kansas City the one week. And then you beat the Chargers, which is at this point definite feather in your cap because as we mentioned, you look at the straight record, they are in the top three in the AFC. So that is in in you hung with the defending champs on opening night when with the banner and the rings and the whole nine. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely even though it's a loss, it's still a feather in your cap. It definitely is, and something they can build from. I mean, Dallas can roll with some momentum, and this is where they need to do. We said that if you could beat your division, you could go into the playoffs easy. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're the best team in the NFC East by light years. Yeah. Washington is not good. Suspect. The Giants, we've already said enough. I mean, I can keep throwing dirt in the grave, but listen, they're they're bad, and there's got to be a massive overhaul. Stop it. He's already dead. Basically. And Philly is Philly. Yeah. I I know that some... You know, Philly fans are were already kind of punching their ticket for the Super Bowl a little while ago. Yeah. Guys need to pump the pump those brakes. Right now, this is Dallas's division to lose. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I'm gonna call it right now. Yeah. So for Dallas, though, they have a big test next week. Yeah. So they're playing uh, New England up in New England uh, this coming week. They got a bye week in uh, week seven, and then after that, they play Minnesota, Denver, Atlanta, Kansas City, Vegas, New Orleans, Washington, New York Giants again, Washington, Arizona, and they close out the year in Philly playing the Eagles. Yo, boy. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Sure. Dallas is going to New England. Mm-hmm. If they win by 10 or more in New England, mm-hmm. do we crown them official contenders? Mm, I, it puts them close. I don't know if you do it quite yet. Okay. Just, be, just because that New England defense is a little suspect at times. You know, you look at they lost uh, the game to Miami. You know, they lost to the Saints. Obviously, the Bucks. you know, was a good was looked good for their defense. But then you look at what the New England defense did this past weekend against the Houston Texans. Hard to say. And it definitely helps them, and it's definitely a feather in their cap. But I don't know if it quite puts them over the top. And like, oh, yeah, you're contenders. I will say this. If they go into New England and win by 10 or more, like if it's close, like three. Yeah. I'm not going to crown it. If they go into Foxborough, and I know that that's going to be the game of the 4 o'clock games. It's 425, yeah. If they go in there and win by more than 10, I think you have to. I mean, it would. the thing of it is, though, is it would not surprise me if it happens because that defense is very suspect. But, uh, but I'm going to say this, though. Belichick will game plan. And still, he, he, can, he can draw up schemes. But I'm saying for Mac Jones... If he can sit there and keep this close, especially with how high-powered that offense is for Dallas, yeah, 
and he if he can keep it close, then I think you can say Dallas is still a, a few games away before crowning. I think they'll they'll be able to hold the receiving core in check mm-hmm. to a degree. Ezekiel, it's going to have a goddamn field day. I'm telling you that right now because the Patriots defense, no matter who is on that defense, you know, they are very suspect at best when it comes to run defense. I mean, I remember the Cleveland game a couple years ago where Nick Chubb ran down our goddamn throats. Yeah. You know, so Ezekiel, that's where the that's where Dallas is going to get their bulk of their points, I think, because the New England defense was able to hold the, the Tampa Bay receiving core relatively in check. None of them had monster fantasy point games. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be able to do the same with Dallas receiving core. Well, you might have a couple breakout and a couple touchdowns. That would not surprise me. But I think where Dallas is going to primarily get their points is from Ezekiel Elliott and the run game because New England's run defense, suspect. I mean, this is going to be something to watch. I mean, that's a headline I'm just seeing is how yeah. well Dallas can go in there. And I'm not saying I'm wishing they blow out New England. I mean, I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for division thing, but I'm not, like, actively rooting. But, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. but that's the headline I'm going to watch. If you can go into Foxborough and, and drop – some points on Belichick in his own house. Mm-hmm. Then you gotta really buy into this hype. You yeah. really do. Yeah. And then to flip it to the Giants, listen, who, Pat, who they have next week? That's uh, all I'm gonna say. Uh, they are at home against the Rams. Yeah. After that, they've got Carolina, and then they've got Kansas City and the Raiders before their bye week in Week Ten. Do you think they win a game before the bye week? The uh, Carolina, maybe. Carol, Carolina is a toss-up because which Sam Darnold is going to show up? Is it the resurgent Sam Darnold who looks fan-fucking-tastic? Or is it the one seeing ghosts? Boy, I don't know. I, that, I, they're not going to beat the Chargers. They're not going to beat the Rams. Sorry, but they're not. There's no way in fucking hell they're going to beat Kansas City. I don't care if Kansas City is not the Kansas City of old. Kansas City is still going to fucking hang 30-plus on them. And then the Raiders, I think, they'll be able to beat them. Or they'll, they'll, they'll lose, excuse me. Points for Azari at 10 for the Rams. Hey! <sighs> Giants, I don't have anything nice to say. I'm going I'm to keep it positive. Uh, good luck. Yeah. You're going to need it. You're yeah. going to need a lot of it. Yeah. And then for my leap, I'm just going to kind of skip past what I put down because, I mean, I tied with Pat about the leaps. Yeah. I want to talk about those Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And Kansas City... Man, oh man, oh man, Sunday night. This was a very big test for the Bills. Mother Nature herself trying to throw monkey wrenches into it. Yep, and I'm going to call this very unbiasedly. Kansas City got exposed like Pad talked about. Mm-hmm. Told you so. The Raiders put this blueprint out last year. Teams have now caught up. Told you so. I'm not saying it's over, but I'm saying this. For the job the Buffalo Bills did after a very shaky start, wow. Pad, break it down. Yeah, so Buffalo ended up winning by the final score of 38-20. to Josh Allen had 15 of 26 for 315 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, 33 of 54 for 272 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So the easiest way to describe this is the... Have a game, why don't you, Dawson Knox? Yes. (laughs) Holy fuck. Three catches, 117 yards, one touchdown, averaged 39 yards a catch. He was left wide open that entire game. He only dropped one ball. He was targeted four times. Yeah, it was ridiculous of how the Bills spread the ball around. 
I know I, I one of the announcers was saying about how the Bills, uh, Josh Allen couldn't connect with his wide receivers. Uh, and we were all sitting there. I remember watching the game with Rich from 3FN and Crazy Curtis Gaming. And we're all like, uh, are we watching the same game right now? I mean, because Josh did his thing. Yeah. Albeit, though, he did one thing that scared the absolute crap out of me. He brought back the leap. Saw that. He brought back the hurdle. Saw that. I mean, 15 and 26, that's, you know, 57%, which if we're talking test-taking scores, not ideal. Mm -hmm. But 350, okay, so you just look at that. Oh, he's not connected with his quarterbacks, 50%. Still put up 315 yards. Like, I don't care how much you connect with him and how many drop passes you got. If you're throwing for 315 and three touchdowns, I'm all right with that. Yeah, I was completely fine with it. Once they settled in that first couple series, though, they were feeling the nerves for being on Sunday night. You can't tell me otherwise. Right. They looked very, very shaky. I will say the Chiefs, in my opinion, played a little suspect mm -hmm. in that first uh, couple series, too. I think being at home, maybe the vibe was they, they were feeling a little too comfortable. Maybe. And when Patrick Mahomes started getting pressured, he – wasn't adapting too well. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this is if you watch that game and you start seeing when Ed Oliver and Russo were running around and catching up yeah. to them, yeah, when they were not diving at him to tackle, not, not to take a cheap shot, but to tackle, Mahomes felt very comfortable. Mm -hmm. The minute they started nipping at his heels with just putting a finger, you know, or hand just to let him know that they were there. Yeah. This is when... Buffalo started changing and, and really started getting comfortable about what they needed to do. Oh, sure. And I know it doesn't, it doesn't look good for Kansas City. Let's face it, it doesn't because you've been to the Super Bowl two years in a row. You split the series, want your 1-1 one, one, lost one. Mm -hmm. But it's like I said in the preview show. Now, admittedly, I didn't think they'd be sitting here at, at 2-3 and three with a 1-2 and two home run, uh, with a 1-2 one, with a one and two record in the division. You know, but I... I figured that they would take more losses than they have the last couple of years. Just because to me, it's, it's the, you know, it's the gold. Like I said, it's the golden state warriors effect. It's, it's the LeBron being in, what was it? Like six straight NBA finals, whatever the hell it was. Eight straight. Mm -hmm. That you, there's just tread on the tires and you can't consistently do that year in and year out with as tough and as rough as football can be. Yeah. That eventually it, you see it all the time in baseball guy comes up from the minor leagues Hits home runs out of the park like nobody's business, you know, batting seven fifty, whatever the hell it is, looks fan fucking tastic. But then you get three, four weeks into the season or three, four weeks into their tenure in the majors, and all of a sudden they start getting out, and then they start not hitting so many home runs because there's tape on them mm -hmm. because team pitchers and teams know how to adapt and to, and handle that batter at the plate. Same can be said for Kansas City, putting up video game like numbers and video game like moves works until you start seeing it enough and you start figuring out what to do and what to game plan. The good teams and the good head coaches adapt and change. They don't ever give you the same look twice. They don't ever come at you with the same game plan twice. Kansas City needs to adapt and change because right now the way they're playing, teams have got them figured out and they know what to do. That's where you need to come back and go, okay, we're going to come at this with a different look that they haven't seen before. I agree. I fully agree. And that's the thing that Kansas City has now been exposed Teams are now running at them, and they're getting very, very successful mm -hmm. doing it. And Kansas City cannot run the ball right now. No. I'm sorry. The fact Patrick Mahomes was your leading rusher with 61 yards. Eight carries, yeah. And the only reason he got that 
is because those first couple series, A.J. Klein missed a tackle and let him go. Ed Oliver didn't go for the legs to try making a tackle and just tried chasing him down outright. Right. That also led to a 20-yard gain. Like, there's little moments like that that started giving Mahomes a little confidence. But once the Bills switched up and really got aggressive about putting pressure on him, they caused turnovers. They caused that little friction that Mahomes felt very uncomfortable. You could see it in the body language, too. He wasn't connecting with Tyreek Hill as much. He wasn't connecting with Travis Kelsey as much. I mean, they got their yards and and sure, oh, like sure. you're not gonna you're not gonna shut them out. I'm sorry, the Bills defense, as much as I'd like to say they are, are not those dominant lockdown defenses like the Baltimore Ravens of a few years past, and right. of course the Chicago Bears in the eighties. Right. It's not that good, but I will say this: they played very hungry, they played very aggressive once they settled in. See, that's a whole thing. They flipped that switch. They stopped letting Kansas City get in their heads, yeah. and they really got focused on the game. Once they did that, I will say this, and I usually I'm very critical of Frazier calling the game. I thought he called a very good defense the entire scheme. I will say this, and you, and you know if you listen to the show a long time, I'm extremely critical of him. I thought he did a great job with it. The fact that they were making a lot of schemes, making Mahomes feel uncomfortable, Mm-hmm. That's what they needed to do, and they gave a blueprint of how to do this because now Kansas City 2-3 and three in that division yep. is not a place that we thought they were going to be. No, and like you said, they, Kansas City's definitely got to figure out the run game just because they've only hit the century mark, you know, 100 rushing yards twice this season. Mm-hmm. That was Edwards-Hilaire had a uh, week three against the Chargers with 100 yards even, uh, and then week four against Philly, he had it again with 102 yards. Outside that, your high rushing, uh, high rusher for week one against Cleveland was Edwards Hilaire with 43 yards. Yeah, uh, high rusher for week two against Baltimore was Edwards Hilaire with 46 yards. Then you get the 200 yard games, and then as you mentioned this past week, your high rusher was Patrick Mahomes with 61 yards. Like it's not going to solve everything, but you figure out the wrong game, some kinks are going to start to come out. Exactly, and that's the thing. you got to keep the defense honest. Kansas City is really becoming one-dimensional and, and showing. And now what are they going to do moving forward? Because I'm not saying it's full-time to panic, but I'd be Fingers a Fingers over the button. I'd be a little troubled. Yeah, no, I would be too. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat that any other way. I, if I was them, I'd be extremely, extremely troubled. Because there's no room for error in the AFC just with as, as, as competitive as the AFC North in the AFC East are where, you know, right now they're not going to get the division as the record stands, you know, and it's entirely possible that they miss out on the two wild card spots. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it is. I mean, obviously the Raiders have a lot going on and with the John Gruden drama that has happened. Yeah. To see how they're going to bounce back is going to be very interesting. The Chargers, we don't know what we're going to get out of them week to week, but they if they can put it together, they might make a good run to mm-hmm. the playoff spot. Denver... Uh, I'm sorry. I think their season's going to come crashing down around them very quickly. Yeah, I mean I th- they're currently in seventh seed in the AFC, but they're three and two. But let's not forget who their three wins are against. Exactly. So Kansas City has to fight to get in that last spot. Yeah. I mean they got to fight to just get in the playoffs. And I mean it's not out of the realm of thought they got too much talent not right. to put it together. Right. But they're not scaring me. No. No. Anymore. Right now they're in the eleventh place in the AFC behind Pittsburgh, New England, and Cleveland for the eleventh, tenth, ninth, or excuse me, for the tenth, ninth, and eighth uh, seeds respectively. Yeah. So they can definitely put it together. I know they got Washington coming up this week. Yep. They got Washington this coming week, and then after that they've got Tennessee, the Giants, Green Bay, Raiders, and Dallas before their bye week in Week Twelve. 
And those Buffalo Bills got to be feeling very good, but I'm going to say this. Yo. As much as a statement win this was, and Bills Mafia, celebrate, break some tables. I'm not mad at you about it. The game that I've been talking about for a while is happening Monday night. Mm-hmm. That is our benchmark, and I'm going to explain why. We are facing Tennessee Monday night. Where the line is currently Buffalo by 5.5 with the over-under at 54. Which is very generous, and I'm not going to say it's not. I'm going to say take the under on that one. I definitely would if I was betting. That's my unofficial prediction for that. I still think the Bills are going to win, Mm -hmm. but here is the big X factor, and I've been saying this for years. Their run defense has to shut down an elite runner. Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry is as great as they come. You know the Tennessee for lack of a better term, is a one-trick pony. Yep. If they can slow down Derrick Henry and do a better job than when they faced him in the past, then we can start buying into the Bills mm-hmm. completely. Like, obviously, me being a card-carrying member of Bills Mafia, yeah, I'm buying in. But this is the game that I said I want to see that defense really step it up. Yeah, and, and that, the Derrick Henry is really the X factor for Tennessee, like you mentioned, because he is an elite, if not the best uh, rusher in the NFL. Let's not get it twisted. He hasn't now. He hasn't had a phenomenal standout game. That's oh my god, highlights and fantasy and all this. You know, his high rushing mark for the season was the overtime game against Seattle, where he uh, ran for 182 yards with three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's the one good game he had. 58 yards against Arizona. 113 against Indy, 157 against the Jets, and then 130 against Jacksonville. You know, so those are all very good, but they're not like, holy shit, like, what is he doing? But all it takes is one game. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it takes to get him going and start running downhill. And we saw the last time they bought into their own hype, too. Uh-huh. Week one. And that was against the Pittsburgh def- or, uh, team that, well, is known for the run. Yep. So, Bills are going to have to really have a statement win here. Yeah. I'm not saying they got to win by 10, but I want to see him slow down Derrick Henry enough that they have to make Ryan Tannehill beat them. Sure. That's what I need to see out of this team. And for Josh Allen, listen, you played a hell of a game on Sunday. Take nothing away from that. Celebrate with the team. Yeah. But lead this team against Tennessee too because they are going to be very, very game and ready for you. Yeah, and one of the things I think might be working in Buffalo's favor is currently as we record, Julio Jones is listed as questionable for yeah. Sunday. So it uh, might work. The odds might be in their favor, but they got to play it on the field though. Yes. That's going to be the big takeaway. So that being said, just quickly around the league to wrap it up, the Rams took it to Seattle 26-17. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the game that... I, I, I feel bad that people got up early in the morning to watch. Yeah. Atlanta defeated the Jets 27-20. Now, granted, that was in London, so it was what it was. Uh, the Packers defeated the Bengals in overtime 25-22, to and we just can define that game as kickers. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Hey, listen, Crosby made it when it counted. He, he did eventually. Took a while to get there, but yeah. he did eventually. Every, every, listen, he hit the game winner. Everyone's going to forget the missed ones. All that matters is he hit the game winner. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings held on and you know, to pull off a miracle win, in my opinion. The Vikings hit a game-winning field goal. Yeah. Uh, like I said, when and I miracles say they, happen. they held on, they held on to actually kick a game. They, they kicked a game-winning field goal. They actually, yeah. To the actually, curse is broken, maybe? Uh, to be determined, dot, dot, dot. 
Steelers did what Steelers do against the Broncos in 27-19. But not without losing Juju for the year. Yeah, that's That's going to hurt. That's a big blow to the Steelers there. Uh, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady. Listen, to, uh, Tom Brady likes playing the Dolphins. Yes. It doesn't matter where. He loves playing the Dolphins. And I'm I'm all about this, too. 45-17. to 17, Enough said there. The Saints bounced back and defeated Washington 33-22. Uh, those Eagles decided to beat the Panthers. Well, apparently there were ghosts at the field in Carolina. Yep. Showed up again, 21-18. Uh, in the game that, well, this is why I say the Bills should be ready. 37 points by those Tennessee Titans, so they got ready, albeit, though, against Jacksonville, so it was what it was. The Bears defeated the Raiders. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, hard to believe. 20-9, though. 20-9. to And then Arizona defeated a very, very ready 49er team by the score of 17-10. to Kyler Murray did Kyler Murray things, but I tell you what, Trey Lance, I... I don't know exactly if uh, the Niners are doing the smart thing by playing them already. Yeah, I don't know. Like this, this 49ers team is so hard to figure out just because they beat Detroit, they beat Philly, but now they've lost three games in a row, losing to Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona, who are the top-tier echelon teams of that NFC. So they're bottom, middle, third, I guess you could say. Yeah. So it kind of is what it is. I think they had to because I don't think Garoppolo was ready at the the beginning of the week. But, you know, yeah, because, yeah, because Lance was starting because Garoppolo was injured. Right. So Well, it works in their favor because they got a bye week this coming week, so they got some time to figure this shit out. Yeah, they're going to definitely need to because, I, I mean, albeit Arizona is the best team in the league right now. The record stands by it. But for the 49ers, I think you, when they bounce back, they really got to say, okay, can we really win with Lance right now, or where are we going with the rest of the season? Yeah. A lot of questions to ask about this past week's NFL action, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about week five in the NFL? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Mark, the DM for Stranger Damies. What is Stranger Damies, you ask? Well, we're just a bunch of first-time D&D players exploring the world of Tal'Dorei 30 years after the events of the Coma Conclave, which was made famous on Critical Role. Join us every week as we roll some dice, make some mistakes, but most importantly, we have fun. New episodes air every Wednesday at strangerdamies.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast streaming app. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at strangerdamies. And is it Wednesday yet? Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So going into this Friday, there is a little bit of a showdown. Yeah. If you want to buy into the hype about it, Fox is not going to be airing SmackDown. Uh, game one of the ALCS between two teams I want to vomit mentioning mm. are uh, playing on Fox this coming Friday. Right. So SmackDown by the WWE is going to be going to Fox Sports 1. Yep. They've done this in the past before when there's been a conflict because of a sporting event or such. Yep. This is not completely earth shattering to do. And Friday night, they did really load up this uh, card, too. So yeah, I know, I Pad, you got the breakdown of it? Yeah, so the early car preview we have for this is a card subject to change uh, that we know of. Uh, Brock Lesnar is scheduled to return this Friday on SmackDown. You've got Finn Balor taking on Sami Zayn in a King of the Rings semifinal matchup. Uh, then you've got Carmella taking on Zelina Vega uh, in, in another Queen of the Ring uh, semifinal matchup. And then you've got Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks on free TV. Yes. 
They've really loaded up. In fact, they even got Naomi versus Sonya Deville, and that's going to be Sonya's uh, first match back in a while since she's been doing the commissioner role with Adam Pierce, Stepping outside the uh, old suit. Yeah, so definitely excited to see about this card. Uh, top to bottom, I mean, it's looking very solid for yeah. a... I don't want to call it a specialty card, but when they're going to a different network, they really want to make the noise heard. Yeah. And they definitely have it going on. I mean, obviously, the King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown Tournament, the official uh-huh. tournament for the women's division, definitely has drawn a lot of reactions online, too. I know Xavier Woods has really been vocal about how he wants to be the next King of the Ring. For, like, the last couple of years. Yeah, which, I mean, all for him. In fact, I think it's his petitioning online that has gotten this tournament back up and running. I think so. Yeah. yeah. The women's division is going to be very interesting, though, because I thought they should have had Liv Morgan uh-huh. have, a, have a deeper run. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm just kind of waiting to see how this all shakes up, too. But... This is going to be a solid night, and topping off with a WrestleMania-level event. For free. For free. Like, that's the big thing that WWE is doing right here because you want to get eyes on your product. They're going to have to search the network out. This is a must-watch card that I don't think there's anything you can take away from this card top no, to bottom no. that we know of. I mean, I'm sure cards subject to change. Some There'll be another no, they'll, match. They'll throw some matches in there. Yes, but for what they're lining up is very good. And where we bring it back to the whole showdown aspect, All Elite Wrestling is doing something very unique on Friday. Mm -hmm. So what they are doing is they are actually having a buy-in, quote-unquote, quote-unquote, pre-show happening before their tentative scheduled rampage on TNT on Friday night, 10 p.m. Yep. So obviously they're going to have a little bit of overlap, and I will say this for record, they have really stacked their buy-in show very, very well that it's going to be the challenge to see what wrestling fans are going to tune into. Mm-hmm. Because we do know that All Elite Wrestling has on their YouTube buy-in show, it's going to be Bobby Fish against Lee Moriarty, yep. which is going to be fantastic. And then Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Which the minute I heard this, I went, holy shit. Okay, I I'm going to be very conflicted of what I'm going to be watching. I probably have two two phones set up. Let's say I have one on your TV, have one on your phone. Yes, because this is definitely an exciting buy-in, and then let alone we go to the main card on Rampage. Now, Pad, you got that lined up? Yeah. So that is CM Punk taking on Matt Seidel, uh, Ruby Soho taking on the Bunny, and then you've got the Inner Circle, uh, specifically Chris Jericho, Jack Hager, and Sammy Guevara. Taking on Men of the Year and Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky and Junior Dos Santos uh, with Dan Lambert and one Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. One, if you have not seen Dan Lambert on AEW. God's gift to promo. My God. He was born to do wrestling promos and he says absolutely nothing wrong ever. He can work a crowd in such a way I haven't seen anyone else work a crowd akin to Paul Heyman. Yeah, there's only one. They're close. One promo he's ever done that I was like, ah, and that's when he put over Jericho. Sure, I didn't like that. I was like, no, be a heel, be an absolute. MMA is better than W than um, all lead wrestling, mm-hmm. and just run with it. Like that's what I thought they should have done. But I thought with how they have this set up, and they're trying to tie in American Top Team, which is the MMA camp that. Junior Santos is from, Jorge yep. Masvidal, yep. Dustin Poirier. They have a lineage of fighters, Amanda Nunez. Yep. They're the real deal when you talk MMA. And this is interesting to see that Junior Dos Santos is now in a wrestling match mm-hmm. because we knew that he's been out of the UFC 
contention picture for a little bit. I mean, yep. he's a former champion, so he is the real deal. In fact, I'm hearing uh, a couple of reports I was seeing online that he's uh, considering about doing boxing. Yeah, so it appears for all intents and purposes. He might be done doing some MMA stuff, but still in the combat sport world. Yes, which I think he'd be a lot better because if you've, yeah. never, if you've never seen him fighting in the cage, he is very well known for his hands. Oh, yeah. More than anything. So oh, yeah. I can fully buy this. I was almost debating if they're going to have an MMA match between him and Hager. That'd be, that'd be interesting. It would be interesting. That'd be different. I mean, if they want to do it for full gear, the next pay-per-view they're doing. I would give a, if AEW does that, I will give them credit because that is different. And that is something new that admittedly is, is interesting. Well, yeah, you want to think about something for the fans. This is definitely something up there with full gear coming up. I mean, they want to really get people to watch this pay-per-view because they don't yeah. do a lot of pay-per-views. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's one thing to have a celebrity or a sports athlete come in and participate in a wrestling match. We've seen that a million times mm-hmm. over, over the course of like the last hundred years. But if they were to pull off and do Hager versus Junior Dos Santos in an MMA match, that's different. I, I On a main, like wide viewership uh, audience, obviously some smaller federation could have done something like it. I, you know, who's to say, but in terms of like a major major federation doing that. I don't know if that's ever been done before. That'd be really cool. It would be cool. And I think that that's something AEW could really benefit from. Like throw the fans something different. Do you always say you want to be the alternative product? This would be a great way to do it. I mean, it is something different. You kind of have to work out the logistics yeah. of where you're having the card, yeah. but still that's, that's minor in the grand scheme of things. But for what they're lining up on Friday night, I mean, for one, the fans win mm-hmm. because no matter where you're tuning into, there is at least three hours of solid pro wrestling going on. And you, and you, this ain't like the Monday Night Wars where you had to pick and choose which one you're going to watch and flip channels, you know, because picture in picture didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. You literally don't have to pick in this instance because whatever you prefer, SmackDown, AEW, you can have one on your television or your, or your laptop or your whatever, tab, you know, tablet, you know, whatever, and then you can have the other one on your phone. Yeah. So whatever's going on at that point, so let's just say you have – SmackDown on your television, and then you throw up because this uh, buy-in is going to be on uh, YouTube. Mm. You know, so if if something on SmackDown, it's like a backstage talking segment between Kayla Braxton and Paul Heyman or something, which you should absolutely watch because those interactions are hilarious. Facts. You know, but if it's a, a backstage interaction between you know Sami Zayn and some random person, then you can absolutely. And if that's not your cup of tea, you can mute that. Turn on the volume on AEW and vice versa. If something on AEW, it's like you're know, getting in between the matches with Danielson and Bobby Fish. You know, you can turn on the volume for SmackDown. You and vice versa. Like you don't have to pick. You can watch them both. You can be like dogs. Two phones. Exactly. And I fully recommend everybody does that. I don't want to see online everybody saying that they have to choose a side and one is better than the other. The fact that we have three hours of solid content on Friday night is a big win. The fact that we have two wrestling promotions running at the same time on, on widely distributed platforms has, is something that we have not seen in like 20 some odd years. Yeah. Which I, now I get impact from in other federations might've run on the same night as WWE, but not to the level of AEW is at currently with their viewership. You know, so this is something that we haven't seen in 20-some-odd years. So it's a rare moment. It definitely is a rare moment. And there is top to bottom from 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to around 11 p.m. In yeah. case there's a little run over. You have quality wrestling that is on free TV. Yeah. 
There is absolutely nothing wrong with this. I'm already going to tell you right now, ODPH Society. Have one TV set up yeah. and watch on your phone or another device and watch both. Because these are stacked cards. This is for the fans, and this is what everybody should be doing. I want for one night everybody to throw the ratings out the window because they don't matter. At the end of the day, this is for the fans. You have dream matches going on. Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki is something I never thought I'd see. Oh, sure. And now here we are. Lee Moriarty, if you're not familiar with, was probably the biggest name on the indie scene until he signed with AEW. Mm Mm-hmm. So you are in for a treat on YouTube. And the fact that we get on SmackDown, Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch. For free. For free. This is what everybody should be talking about. This is what everybody should be hyped about. It's like putting Rock and Stone Cold on on free TV back in the day. Yeah. This is just That's something. rare. It's rare, but and I, and like, I understand they want to kind of up, upstage each other. Maybe there's that whole competitive friendliness going well, on. Well, and you also got to compete. Quote, unquote. Well, and you also got to compete with Major League Baseball going on at the same time because it's Boston and Houston, you know, so you got to deal with that. Yeah. Two, the, two very big wrestling towns. Exactly. So you're going to balance out. You're going to have some great action going on. I can't stress this enough. This is what it should be about. And I, and I don't – I'm just worried that we're going to hear – the next day, okay, well, it's all about the ratings or the demos. It's it's See, the thing of it is, though, is you can't really judge the buy-in by ratings or, you know, demos because there are none. It is a YouTube live stream. Yes, people will spout how many people viewed, but it's impossible to measure what sort of impact that had on SmackDown because I'm willing to bet there now there will be some people who turn off SmackDown and turn on, you know, the buy-in just because they're bigger fans of AEW than SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I think people are going to be watching both, you know, have them both on at the same time. So unless it was a buy-in on TBS or TNT or True TV or one of the other channels they own, there is no way to measure what kind of impact this buy-in will have on WWE's viewership because it's on YouTube. Hell, you can always go back and watch it later after SmackDown's done and after Rampage is done. There's always time to do it, but there, this, there's no pressure to go. Oh, I need to watch this right now because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to see it again. Yeah, they'll they'll definitely have something reshown about this. I would fully imagine because if I am Tony Khan, I am saying this. Yeah, I'm putting the buy-in show because I want people to tune into my product and leave SmackDown because SmackDown is stacked. I get it. Okay, and if you want to say, okay, we're now taking testing the waters if we can go head to head with WWE. First and foremost, you're going head to head with the flagship. Uh huh. SmackDown overtook Raw years ago as being the flagship show you don't need to do this i would just say focus on we're going to give you an hour's worth of free quality pay-per-view level wrestling Mm -hmm. on our youtube channel you make the call and then if fans want to tune in or watch both which like i said i'm I'm, this is the moral of the story watch both and be a fan and be a happy fan yeah be a greedy fan like rich from 3fn says this is the time you do it and you enjoy the night for what it is. But for Tony, like I said, that's how I would present this. I wouldn't say about like, oh, trying to sell about, oh, you know, AEW versus WWE. Listen, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Because I tell you what, you're coming off a weekend at New York Comic Con where your fan base was growing because fans that are not into wrestling went to that panel mm-hmm. and were very entertained by your superstars you had there. 
you have more eyes on you from a positive feedback going into this. You don't have Dynamite on Wednesday night. Yep. So there is d- enough days to build up the hype for this show. You have a lot of momentum in your favor that if you really want to grow that fan base, now is the time to do it. It doesn't have to be concerned what your neighbors are doing on their lawn. Worry about your own house yeah. and build your own house upward. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a smart move on on Tony's part, you know, because I know Rich said this when we were talking about this uh, when we were at Con uh, over the weekend. It's definitely a smart move on his part because, you know, uh, SmackDown moving to FS1. FS1 probably not on as in, 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 in on in his, in as many homes as Fox is. Mm. So the ratings might take a hit, but you you chalk it up to that. You know, so I'll call it a smart move. I wouldn't call it a genius move. I I'll tell you what. A genius move would be if he did it on one of their overseas uh like European Brit UK shows which are pre-taped and the results are posted like hours beforehand. That would be this like if you knew before because obviously we know their travel schedule where they're going and what what not weeks in advance. If they were doing this on a week when WWE was going to be over in the UK doing a SmackDown from like the O2 in London or whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so, you know, okay, in three weeks, WWE SmackDown is going to be over in London broadcasting from London. Show's going to be taped. Why don't we do a buy-in then? That would be a genius move in my my mind to go, hey, you already know it's if you're on the internet, you already know it's, you know, which most of their fans on the internet. You already know it's going to be coming for SmackDown if you just look for it. Why don't you watch our show? You don't know what's coming. You know, you can be smarter. Do it on Crown Jewel. Oh, that's what I would do. That's ballsy. But still, if you if you if that's the direction, that's you also want, the, that's also the middle of the day. Yeah, exactly. But I would do something that night. Do a YouTube special that night, and guarantee you, you'll generate some buzz that night. Just saying. Either way, you want to break it down. Exciting night going down this Friday in the land of pro wrestling. It's the showdown if you want to buy into that. But for me, I am going to enjoy both shows. We'll be live tweeting as we always do because I like to talk about both shows happening. And I tell you what, this AEW buy-in show, I cannot wait to check out personally. Like this is something I have circled for first and foremost viewing, but I'll be talking about both. But as a wrestling fan, this is what we need to enjoy. And what a way to kick off the weekend with. Dare we say more? I don't know, Pat. How about you? Uh, that should be a lot to view and it should be fun. Absolutely. And very quick shout out to Game Changer Wrestling is booked for the Hammerstein Ballroom in January. It's also the first non uh, ROH show to run in the Hammerstein since, if I read right, like 2011. Yes. So congratulations to the GCW team for pulling this off. That's a big move. And if you're not watching GCW, Get familiar and get familiar quick because they're putting on fantastic cards. Pad did see this past weekend's card, yeah. and were you impressed, Pad? Oh, it was good. See, okay, we're growing him into the fan base, but he will get there. I was also very tired because it was a Saturday night, and I had been like three days straight of like 12-hour days. Yes, but for more content like that, you know we're going to be talking about on 607 TWS in the podcast form this week, so definitely make sure you're following ODPH Pod and hashtag 3FN Pod because the episode will be dropping on the 3 Fat Nerds podcast this coming Thursday, so get ready for that. A lot of pro wrestling action going on, though, this weekend. AEW and WWE have some stack cards. Which are you most excited to watch, ODPH Society? I hope you say both. But definitely let me know what your favorite match is going to be this upcoming weekend. Hit me up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. AEW, WWE, are we ready to talk some wrestling? I think we are. 
We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got to round these bases and take the show home? Got a couple things to talk about. The first of which uh, broke as we were recording, actually. So, hey, news broke when we were recording and not Hey! Uh, this according to the folks over at ESPN. Uh, quote, ESPN to televise Monday night NFL wildcard playoff game for the next five seasons. Wow. Yeah, so the article reads, uh, ESPN has signed a five-year agreement with the NFL to broadcast the Monday night game during the first weekend of the playoffs beginning this season. The announcement was made by ESPN president Jimmy Pitaro at the CAA World Congress of Sports. The NFL announced last month that it was moving the Saturday at early afternoon game on wildcard weekend to Monday night. There will be two games on Saturday, one at 4.35 and 8.15, uh, three on Sunday at 1.05, 4.40 and 8.15, and one on Monday, 8.15 p.m. The Monday game will also air on ABC and ESPN2 will feature a megacast with Peyton and Eli Manning. Let's go. Oh, let's fucking go. Uh, article goes on to say CBS Sports Chairman Sean McManus said before the season uh, started that CBS will have the Sunday late afternoon game, which will again feature a kids-focused broadcast on Nickelodeon. NBC is expected to have the Sunday night game as one of its two that weekend. CBS also has two games, while Fox and ESPN slash ABC have one apiece. ESPN and ABC will also have a Saturday doubleheader the final week of the regular season. Uh, Beginning in 2023, ESPN will also televise an NFL divisional round playoff game while continuing to air the Monday night wild card game. Can't go wrong with that. That's a huge move for them. Yeah, no, definitely good. Fucking Peyton and Eli in the playoffs. Give it to me. Yeah, that's going to be insane. Ratings gold. Bring it on, man. Uh-huh. And then i got to talk some baseball because we are in the midst of the playoffs. Uh, so for the wildcard games, you had Boston beat the Yankees, unfortunately. But, hey, rough season. Uh, and then in the National League, you had the L.A. Dodgers beat the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so then in the American League uh, Division Series, you had Boston beat Tampa Bay, uh, much to the disappointment of my girlfriend Liz, who doesn't uh, like rooting for the Rays. Uh, and then Houston beat the Chicago White Sox. So in the American League Championship Series, excuse me while I vomit all over the goddamn floor. Yeah. Uh, you have Boston taking on Houston. And side note, if you're a Yankees fan and rooting for either Boston or Houston, get the fuck out. Yeah, your your fan verification has been denied. There is no earthly reason anyone in the Yankees universe uh, should be rooting for either Boston or Houston. It is literally the NL or I don't give a fuck. Exactly. That is the correct answer. Anything else is unacceptable. Yes. And we will not be having this conversation. This is one time you'll see people get angry on the ODPH social media. I am telling you right now, I don't care who wins out of the American League. It's either National League if I catch a game or I don't care. Because why? It's hockey season. Yeah. So we get the rest of the uh, National League. Uh, you have the Dodgers and Giants series still going on. That series is tied at two games apiece. Uh, Game five is set to take place uh, on uh, Thursday uh, at 9.07 p.m. Eastern on TBS. So definitely check that out. Uh, And then in the other National League Division Series game, you had the Braves uh, beat the Milwaukee Brewers three games to one. So they're waiting on the winner of San Francisco and the Dodgers. But seriously, fuck the Red Sox and fuck the Astros. Yeah. 
It goes without saying. I mean, that's how we feel here as Yankee fans. We we we, do, we will not tolerate the slander about we have to now root for the American League because of the American that, League. I'm sorry, no. Yeah, they say some bullshit like, oh, my team in the you know the the Big Ten made it to the you know some team from my Big Ten conference made it to the title game. I got to root for the Big Ten. No, fuck that. No, we don't. Ain't do, my team. I don't root for them. We don't do that here. That's why, like, when we go into my base right now, we don't talk a lot of hockey because you know why? We are diehard blue shirt nation here, New York Rangers stand up. You'd get so amped up, we'd get kicked off several providers. Exactly. Like, this is the one time I get very angry and start mouthing off because I am that passionate of a Rangers fan. I know it's kind of hard to believe when everybody sees me in such calm, cool demeanor. No. When we start talking Rangers hockey, if you can find some videos of me at the playoff games, that's all I'm going to say. You can go deep dive and search if you want. But I'm telling you right now, hockey is back. The Blue Shirt Nation is ready to rock and roll. But I'll try doing this very objectively because the NHL is back. So this will be like by one time I'm like, okay, we'll be peaceful with everybody. Big changes going on this season, though, Pat. Yeah. I mean, we do have... The NHL back on ESPN programming? Yeah, it was on uh, ESPN last night. You can catch it also on, uh, I believe, some of the games are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I know I've seen some of the uh, out-of-market games on ESPN+, Plus, uh, which has been cool to see. The the old music, is they didn't. They could have changed up the music, you know, because it's been God knows how many years and yeah. how many days since the NHL's been on ESPN. But they're sticking with the old-school music, which I got to admit, uh, back when I had a PS2, I did have the first ESPN NHL hockey game, which had that music as the start, you know, start menu. Took me back. Took took me back to my younger years playing ESPN NHL hockey. So it was great to hear that music again. You know, so that was very cool. You know, also got uh, NHL on TNT. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that's, I, that's odd. I know that obviously there's been so much moving and shaking going on since NBC Sports has folded. Yep. And we do know that some games are going to be featured on USA Network. Uh-huh. And if uh, CM Punk no longer wrestles on Wednesday night, well, we know why. Exactly. So it's great to see the NHL back, though. Yeah. I mean. Seattle had their first game last night. Yeah, we have a new cool, team always involved. Always cool to see. Yeah, the uh, name the Kraken. And let me just say this. if I don't know if they do or not because they haven't played a home game yet. If they do not have Liam Neeson, you know, saying release the Kraken, missed opportunity. Oh, I fully agree with you. There's no way they can't do that. We need to have this. And like I said, it's just cool to have hockey back. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a big thing. And this is going to be a very, very interesting season. Uh-huh. I, I will say Tampa Bay, I don't know if they're going to three-peat as champions. It's always tough Christ, to do. Rice, I hope not. But you know what? I can't be mad because they're Rangers south. This for the is, most part. This is true. Like, that's the one time, like, I can root for Tampa Bay and be peaceful because they have a lot of former New York Rangers there. So I'm good with that if they have to win. If they have to. I want to stress that because I will say this. My beloved New York Rangers are actually looking very good going into the season. We just re-signed Zibanejad for eight years. That was a big question mark I had going in because I didn't think we were going to be able to sign Mika back. Right. But we are looking like we're taking the steps in the right direction. Obviously, we had a big switch in the front office, new head coach. Expectations are high. Yeah. But if we can get the offense clicking, and I think we can with Panarin and Lafreniere, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of weapons there that can put up some goals. That's what we need this season. Shutterkin has got to be a better goalie when he's in there. Yeah, that goes without saying. We, We need to have that a lot. And this is going to be some high expectations going in with this team. So I am very optimistic about how they're going to finish. Will I say they're going to go to the cup? 
Of course, because I'm a belligerent Yankee or Rangers fan. I'm going to say they're going to go there every year. But if they somehow stumble, it'll be Tampa Bay that gets there. And then going to the West, see, this is where things can get a little crazy. And I'm not sure who's going to do what. I know Vegas is still going to be very good. And, uh-huh. and for the myth that you know expansion team takes long to rebound and go to the playoffs. Listen, Vegan, Vegas has set the goal, the benchmark, the hopes and dreams of expansion teams that they show that they can hang in there. I mean, they're definitely looking like they can make another deep run into those uh, playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to do it. The team I like, if they can stay healthy out of the West, is Colorado. Okay. I really think that they got a lot of nice talent on that team. If uh, Nate McKinnon can stay healthy and really lead this team, that's going to be a really fun squad to watch play hockey. So if I got to make my prediction who's going to face the Rangers for the Cup, it's going to be Colorado. Okay. Could I see another team get there? Oh, absolutely. But I don't know. Like, the West is very stacked. It's not, like, so much staggered as, like, the NBA. Like, the West is, like, the West, and then the East is the Knicks and everybody else. The West here is just there's a lot of teams that are very even match, evenly matched up. Sure. The East is kind of, you know, hit and miss. Tampa Bay has just been so good for so many years. Oh, yeah, and that's like it's nothing against Tampa Bay. I, if they win, fine. I just want somebody else for the sake of variety. I just want anybody other than the Islanders or Penguins. Or Capitals. See, Capitals I can stomach. Like, I can, I can handle them. I'm not excited about it, but like, uh, you know, like the lesser of evils, sure. so to speak. Because I, I can't hate Ovechkin too much. I do like Ovechkin. But I'd rather not because I'd rather be the Rangers. And let me tell you, opening night tonight as we oh, were recording. Oh, that's going to be fireworks. There's going to be some fireworks. I'm telling you what. they After how last season ended. Uh-huh. <sighs> New, yeah, York, we're, New York don't forget. We don't forget nothing. So I'm hoping we come out pucks blazing and really set the tempo high and early. The only thing I got to be mad about this season is usually the first game is during New York Comic Con. Right. And it was not this year. Yeah. But I tell you what, it's going to be an emotional night when they get to the garden and when they raise uh, Lundquist's number into the rafters. Say in like January or something. Yeah, like that. that's, yeah. that's going to be a. I need to stay off social media that night because I'm going to be a mess, probably. Because Henrik is my king. And Henrik, we always trust. But fun action going on with the NHL returning, so definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, and let us know who your team is, who you're repping, and if it's anybody but the Rangers in the Eastern Conference, I don't know if we want to have that conversation. I'm going to tell you right now to see all this Islander slander come my way. We'll get angry about that. So that being said, we got to talk some locks and leaps. Obviously, last week we took off early because, well, it's New York Comic Con. and. It's con season, so listen, it happens. But we post online. And as we're going to read off who is in the standings right now going into week six, leading in first place with 24 points, JT from the East Coast Avengers. Right behind him, the co-host, you know him. His name is Padawan J, 21 points. I'm on that ass. And then we have a tie for third right now between MASH from Hops Geeks and Evan the Great from the Villains Demand crossover collision fam. And then Rich from 3FN is gaining some ground with 18 points. Joey from So Wizard was 17. There is a four-way tie for 15 points with Mac East, Jay West, JVD, and your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Okay. I am in second to last with 14 with Brian from Cheers to Comics. But like I said, it's right at that, yeah. that junction. So definitely not out of the race yet. And then Andy Adams is in last place with 13. All right. 
So that being said, Pat, who you got for locks and leaps this week? Uh, so for my lock, I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are currently favored by seven points over the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they should be able to do that handedly. And then I couldn't believe this line when I saw it, especially given we talked about them in the first segment and the absolute shellacking they took uh, this past Sunday. I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals, who are currently three-point underdogs to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Arizona undefeated. Cleveland 3-2. and two. I get it's a home game, but still, I like Arizona more than I do Cleveland, especially what happened last week. I'm with you on that leap, too. See, I'm not I, surprised. I, I hate I hate betting against Cleveland. God rest my, my dad's soul. I hate I hate going against Cleveland, but yeah, I saw that they're the dogs coming out. Like there is just something funky with that game that I'm not down. Cleveland pulls something off. Sure, but you got to roll the dice with this. So I'm doing, I'm going with the Arizona for my leap and my lock. If Kansas City is going to show any signs of life, it's against Washington. Yeah. So they're favored by seven. I'm taking that, the that's fair. I'm taking the Chiefs all day. I did look though at Tampa Bay. And granted, I think they are going to put a whooping uh-huh. on Philly. Uh huh. But I just I couldn't pull the trigger on that Brady's one. Brady's going to want revenge for that Super Bowl game. Yeah, that'll probably be my second uh, lock because obviously, if you follow us on Facebook, you know that we take two games, two locks, and two leaps, and that's how we get our point system. It's great. It's fantastic. You should be following. Where do you go for that, Pad? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You go there. You can find the links to the social media accounts right there. Because the music you heard on the show is at a shout out or is Brian Wolf actually. Brian has done locks and leaps before. That's how we segue into everything. See how we did that this week? Ooh, caught you off guard. And then you go right to the music section on odphpodcast.com and you can find out everything going on with Brian, who has a new song coming out. Hey yo. Why it has not been emailed to us yet, I don't know. I'm gonna have to email Brian tonight and go, hey, um, um I hear it's breaking through on Austin, Texas radio. Where's mm. our copy? You know, for your favorite podcast in Binghamton. I wish we still had that sounder. We're going to have to get him to do us another one. Yeah. But you can also find out what's going on with Second Suitor, Shout at the Robots, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, all the amazing musicians you hear on the ODPH Podcast Network are all right there. Go support them. You can also check out the directory, which I keep getting hit up on social media. Where can I find the ODPH? Well, it's simple. You go to the directory. You can find us under Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Tune in, Odyssey. Like, we are everywhere that plays podcasts. All you got to do is type in ODPH. Hit that follow button. You won't miss an episode of content. And the directory is right there. It's so easy. You just hit click, follow, boom, done. That's simple. If we're not on said platform, tell us and we'll figure out how to get on there. Absolutely. We will do that. Shout out to Podbean and shout out to Good Pods right now. We are absolutely crushing some numbers right there. Also, you can check out the classifieds, which have friends of the show. Organizational Link Support and Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. Because, Pad, what is the golden rule? Uh, the one with the gold makes the rules. Yes. And since I have the gold, I'm making the rule. And the rule is, if you claim you're in a pod group and your page is not on pod chaser, you're not in a group. Just saying. So that all being said, shout out to the Apocalypse doing big things and our guy Brian Wayne over at Cheers to Comics too, who is also doing some big things too. And I definitely have to plug what he is doing as soon as I get official confirmation because I believe we are going to be having a special code for his new project coming out, Pat. Mm. You're going to be very intrigued by this. Okay. Uh, but obviously, you know, Brian and I co-run The Apocalypse, and I will shout him out all day, every day. Fantastic comics podcast. Nuff freaking said. You can also check out The Inner Circle. So definitely shout out to everybody in there. And, of course, hashtag 607podcast. Doing the damn thing down in New York City. 
at New York City Comic Con this weekend. So obviously, shout out to our fam over at 8122productions.com. And $1 will get you in the door for their Patreon. $3 gives you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else I don't want to know about because that's between you and Diesel. And frankly, that's all that needs to be involved with that. All of that, the T-Public Store, Parlay Points, and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. Pad, that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Pat one J. Fuck the Red Sox and fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. And if you're not down with the Rangers, I don't want to talk to you. I'm dead serious. Because it's Blue Shirt Nation all day. Stand the puck up and let's go. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.